Unfortunately, his underwear accidentally inflated while he was on the subway. What? what? Instantly expanding to 30 times their normal size 30 and times? nearly suffocating his seatmates. Wait a minute. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we're going to the John. <laughs> we are, we're hitting the head. For a little light reading. Actually, what you have there is not light reading. I've got... That's a doorstop. This might be one of the thickest books I own. <laughs> and that is the fully loaded 25th anniversary version of Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a weird one, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very excited about it. Oh, I had a great time doing my research, if you can even call it that. Um, We're going to talk about any kind of spooky stuff that you could come across in an Uncle John's bathroom reader. Do you think this has made its way across the entire globe? Do people know what we're talking about everywhere? That's what I was about to say. I feel like some people may not know what they're what we're talking about maybe because they haven't encountered a a disgusting person who keeps (laughs) a full library in their bathroom you know how they say that there's like you know like 80 percent of money is covered in feces yeah yeah that's just dollars those don't come out in the bathroom a whole lot a book that lives in the bathroom yes must be chock full of it Uh, i I, yeah it, it seems like a problem to me yeah and yet william and I appreciate you doing this, bought these Uncle John's readers for us to research from. I did. And the one that I ended up with, he had to buy used. (laughs) It was the only option. Now, the one that Kristen's holding, I think, is arguably rare. Yeah, maybe. It's exclusively strange and scary stories in that right. book. Now, I, but for, me... And it's the bathroom reader for kids only. Oh. So it's strange and scary, but still... Actually, that's, I was about to say, even still worse. gentle enough for kids. Actually, there's a bunch of stuff in here where I was like, this is for kids. Oh, the stuff that people make for kids is sometimes <laughs> really messed up. Yes. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was incredibly Absolutely. frightening. Um, disturbing. But for people who don't know, just in case... The Uncle John's Bathroom Reader book series. This is a franchise. Oh, it's huge. They are books of short stories, fun facts, mm-hmm. jokes, sometimes limericks. Yeah. It's One all... after another, after another, after another, after another. The idea being that when you're in the bathroom, you'll have something to read. Right. And so it's all written in these short snippets so that you can kind of customize how long you're reading to whatever your bathroom experience is. So maybe you only have time for one limerick. Maybe you have time for a few pages on how you make a mummy. Oh, is that right? You have a, how to make a mummy in yeah. there? Yeah. That's cool. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Mine, my, my book is the, as you said... Uncle John's fully loaded 25th anniversary bathroom reader by the Bathroom Readers Institute. Right. And on the cover art here, if it's not immediately clear, um, there are 25 birthday candles positioned on a toilet tank lid and a rubber ducky with a little uh, bow tie on. Of course. Um, now, this book series, I, I looked into it a bit. It first was published in 1988. Yeah. By John Javna. Referred to as Uncle John Number One, mm-hmm. and his brother Gordon, also John. Yeah, Gordon Uncle John Javna. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they're both Uncle of John of sort of, Uncle John's Reader. Exactly. So, kind of a Carolyn Keene situation. The how Nancy Drew was written by like a collective. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. But just like Guide to the Unknown is a sibling 
run show. The Uncle John series is a sibling published bathroom book You're series. You're absolutely right. So um, we've got this uh, uh, recollection from Uncle John number one in my book here. Um, late in 1987, when I first took the idea for a bathroom reader to the New York publishers, it seemed the series might never even get started. Times were different. The idea of a book designed for the bathroom made editors squeamish. <laughs> Times are so different now that that is lauded. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. now we all celebrate this commonly right. out in public, <laughs> in the streets. I'm going to go in and read a good book on the John. <laughs> John, don't worry. I have a full bookshelf in the John. I got it. You might because there are 35 plus of these. I know. That's why I was saying that. There are dozens. There of are even books. spinoff series. There's a, there's a series called um, Uncle John Plunges Into <laughs> and it's different states. That's a geographical sort of thing. I saw that. So there's an yeah. Uncle John's about New Jersey. Mm -hmm. We yeah. should get that. Yeah. Um, depending on how this episode goes. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I got a unanimous no thanks complete with disgusted grimaces. But when I got back home to California California, a few weeks later, a message was waiting. St. Martin's Press had decided to give it a try. Mm -hmm. The good news for BR fans, bathroom reader fans, <laughs> is that St. Martin's had really just bought the concept. They didn't care about the contents. Oh, wow. Dig on St. Martin's. Which is why it's all loaded with, like, non sequitur. Here's right. a short story. Here's some trivia. Right. That's why it's full of just, like random bits of data because they were given that freedom they just had the marketing idea of it's a book for the bathroom yeah put something in it yeah. and so we have this yeah my my now my book is celebrating 25 years of the series mm -hmm. but this book was published 10 years ago so it's been 35 years yeah and uh my book is loaded with or all longer actually because if you said it started in 1980 87 okay, 87 okay. 88 uh -huh. so um uh this book has so that like a lot of it is just like, you know, uh, uh, here's here's some music that have been in movies. Yeah. Here are satirical headlines. Yep. Published by other people. Right. So they'll just take things written by other people and just publish them in this book. It's an aggregator. Yes, but that's why I'm thrilled that your book is specifically for scary stuff. Yeah. But it was hard to find. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did, Will, because it's chock full. Um. So it seems like. Maybe because, what was it, St. Martin's didn't really care too much about the content. Yeah. Eventually, eventually Uncle John's moved over to uh, Macmillan, which is another big publisher oh, in the U.S. Okay. Because I, I also did some research. I wanted to know who is the Bathroom Readers Institute? Yes. What is going on here? So I did some Googling and I found a blurb about them on the Macmillan website. It says... In 1987, Uncle John found himself stranded on his throne with nothing to read. That's when he came up with the idea to launch a series of trivia books specifically tailored toward his fellow bathroom readers. Inspiration struck. <laughs> right. He gathered together the best trivia writers he could find and charged them with the task of combing the worlds of science, history, sports, politics, and pop culture to compile dozens of interesting articles that could be absorbed in just a few minutes. Now, with more than 10 million books in print and a membership base topping 40,000 loyal readers, the movement begat by Uncle John is stronger than ever. How can people possibly be loyal readers of this? Well, here's the thing. You could sign up to like join the club or something like that. So here is the last page of my book, Uncle John's Strange and Scary Freaky Facts About Peculiar People. It says the last page. 
fellow bathroom readers, bathroom reading should never be taken loosely. So sit down and be counted. Join the Bathroom Readers Institute. It's free. Just go to bathroomreader.com to sign up or send a self-addressed stamped envelope uh, and your email address to this uh, this address. You'll receive a free membership card, our BRI newsletter sent out via email, discounts when ordering directly through the BRI, and you'll earn a permanent spot on the BRI honor roll. What? So that is how... You become this. I want a spot. So here's the thing. I looked into it. Of course I would want a spot. Of course. They have changed the name. Oh. It's not the Bathroom Reader Institute anymore. Really? Now their imprint is called Portable Press. Oh. So you go to the website for Portable Press and it says instead of that fun thing with like, you know, wordplay about being loose with things and stuff. Yeah. Um, those with a penchant for obscure facts, bizarre stories, and astounding records come to Portable Press for all their trivia needs. Publisher of the annual best-selling Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, Portable Press brings the fun and laughter to reference books via smirk-inducing dad jokes, top ten lists, comic book-inspired historic biographies, and more. So they have rebranded to make themselves less specific to the bathroom. Oh. And now they're saying you can take these little books with you just about anywhere, Which, not just the bathroom. I was going to say this entire concept feels outdated to me, right? Well, in some ways, but also in entrepreneurial circles, they say the riches are in niches. That's true. And did they have a niche? They sure did. Making it just portable press is maybe widening the net. Well, what the hell's not portable now? I know. I, that's a very good point. I, I can know. read at literally every book ever made on my phone. Yes. You know? It's true. Yes. Like, and and the, the entire idea that you're going to be in the bathroom mm -hmm. and have nothing to do is gone. <laughs> that has evaporated. It's a thing of the past. So I feel like you're right. They rebranded in a weird direction rather than leaning into, oh, don't worry about it. It's a small book. It's portable. Right. Like a million things are portable now. I feel like they should have leaned harder into the bathroom. I, I could Even though I more. joke about there being disgusting people with books in the bathroom. You know, I get it. Of course, I understand. You want to read a little something. Of course. I, yeah. I think everybody's up to something in there. Oh, look. Everybody's on their own trip in there. They absolutely So I, I joke and pass judgment, but I get it. Yes. But the idea that you would go into the bathroom and mm -hmm. find some, you know, water-damaged Uncle John's by the toilet brush. <laughs> a swollen Uncle John's. Open it up and find, like, notes in the margins that your dad left. <laughs> like, I just like this entire idea is like it, I from, bulk. it's like from an alien world. Yes, I, I, I don't understand. Yes, I, it is. It is. I think <laughs> now were you you must we we knew these books obviously. Yeah, we I think had one or two. I guess so. I, I was I saying don't this really before. Remember that? I'm going to I'm going to uh, choose to remember history thusly. Okay. Our father Richard mm -hmm. Rogers. Now don't be smirch him. Had had i think lofty literature tastes yes he loved a good mystery um uh avid reader mm -hmm. i don't think that he was the target market for an uncle john's in some ways he was but we had them sometimes i posit they were given to him as gifts i was about to say it must have been a joke gift. and that he would be like oh yeah very very funny yeah i bet that he might not even have really liked maybe, the idea maybe not i admit I myself, Kristen, 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 yeah. <laughs> I christened the throne. I bristle at the notion of these books at all. Yeah. I think they're disgusting. 
that's I think that the fact that we had to buy that book. Yeah, I know. Used. Luckily, there weren't any, and I look. I read every page of this thing, or at least skimmed it. I didn't see any outward it's a disgusting long session. <laughs> I did it in the living room, uh-huh. not on the john. Kristen has a toilet in her living room. <laughs> I like to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um i didn't see any outward signs of that kind of wear thank god okay i when but you... definitely when will told me that he bought this use i was like are you crazy i had no choice absolutely not I but no i completely choice. understand especially a kid's book where like the amount of times i've heard parents say to their kids like did you wash your hands yeah like the amount of times people have to check that Come right. on, I'm not buying a used kids book. But even so, that's intended for the banyo. Even if they did re- uh, wash their hands, you're touching this and reading it before the hand washing. Anyway. Oh, I know. Oh, so that yes. helps nothing at all. You're you're very right about that. But uh, I will say, uh, last story, and then we'll tell some uh, tales from these mm-hmm. books. Um, I ordered these books, right? And they, yeah. they came from Amazon, wherever. Right. And I, I knew what had been delivered. So I left that one in its plastic bag. Right. I didn't even open it. Yes. When Kristen took it from this house, it was still in the plastic bag, shipped the, the way that it was thrown on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. I have avoided touching it. Yeah. Kristen came over today to record. Before she even said a word to me, Mm-hmm. She placed that book <laughs> on my arm. Yes, it did. Like on my I skin. wanted you to touch it. I am so annoyed that I have touched that book now. <laughs> I wasn't even saying it, but I was trying to avoid touching that. I don't know. I must have sensed it. And I, think I you did. made it not so. It's like when you, anytime you get a tattoo and mm-hmm. I, for some reason, become the guy smack to be like, it. how you doing, pal? And smack yeah. you on the shoulder. Never, ever am I like that. Yep. Somehow, subconsciously, when you have a tattoo, I know I got to hit you right yeah. there. Yeah. You put the bathroom book on my arm. Yes, I did. And I did not like it. Well, anyway, we may proceed. I wanted to. I wanted to, you to see all of the nifty little marks that I made in it. I have those sticky post-its. That's true. Um, like when somebody's getting divorced or something and they have these things that are like, <laughs> sign here. I have that in the Uncle John's. It's weird that that's your frame of reference for <laughs> post-it notes. <laughs> well, they're not post-it notes. They're the, the, the like sticky um, arrow flags. notes. Yeah. yeah, flags. Right. Yeah. Um, so before we we dive into the bowl, I wanted to read you a review from the the start of the book. It's under the readers' raves section. Okay. And it said from it's, it's from some of our strangest and scariest readers. Here's what Freeman had to say. Oh, Freeman! I got one of your books for my birthday, and I can't get off it. My parents think I'm too nerdy for my own good, but I think your books are better than words can say. Whoa! That was all one sentence. I hope Freeman. Has experienced other good stories. for you, Freeman. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna peel off these arrows as I go, so I don't get confused. You think Freeman's up to the same shenanigans now? <laughs> up to the same old shit, Freeman. Freeman, same old Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> and then something that I thought was interesting. There's a thank you page, um, thanking members of the Bathroom Readers Institute, of course, which is like a few. I don't know, a couple dozen or something. It's like thanking our patrons. Like a lot of people will yes. yeah, scroll their patrons' names. Yeah, but I'm not used to seeing it in a book. I know. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. And then it says at the bottom, special thanks to Mrs. Diamond's fourth grade class. Oh. And then gives all the first names of those kids. What was going on in that dynamite class? I'll tell you what, Mrs. Diamond sounds like a fun teacher. Yeah. The fact of the matter also, is Diamond, this. Diamond, D-Y-M-O-N-D. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the fact of the matter is this. Anything that gets a kid to read... Uh-huh. is positive right? yeah like the the pizza hut book drive thing too often reading seems like a chore to kids 
even if it's silly and lowbrow, if it gets him to read, wonderful. Who yeah. knows? That door might be opening to to, to the bathroom Dick next. Yes, to the absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully not. They're in there. Yeah. <laughs> Occupado. Um, okay, the first thing in mind that I want to comment on is this monster lineup that they have. Okay. So they have information about the Mothman, zombies, Bigfoot, and the Jersey Devil. And the stuff about Mothman, Bigfoot, and the Jersey Devil was actually, I mean, pretty accurate to what we've learned. Okay. But they say something about zombies here in the Uncle John's Reader that I was surprised by. Um, so it says, zombie, profile, the walking dead, has a blank face and staggering walk and speaks very slowly. Behavior, zombies are corpses raised from the grave by voodoo sorcerers or bokors. They become mindless slaves seeking revenge for the bokor. This is what I did not know about. Only a taste of salt will release the zombie so it can return to its grave. Oh, I didn't... Did you know that? No, but they're combining two different kinds of folklore there. Mm -hmm. They're combining... So zombies. I think we, we covered zombies in an episode. Now, yeah. the, the one that most people think of is The Walking Dead, mm -hmm. as that book astutely points out. Yes. But where they really come from is from voodoo. Right. They were not that they were not necessarily corpses. They were people who had been sort of um hypnotized. Mm -hmm. uh, uh turned into a zombie means that I will do your bidding. Right. And that curse it's can like be nothing lifted. going on behind the eyes. Yeah. So they seem to have combined both. Yeah. And I don't think maybe it's maybe it's not fully like you're one or the other. Maybe there were dead voodoo zombies that right. would return to the grave if they tasted salt. I guess That's so. An, I'll take it at face value. That was an element I'd never heard before. I've never really dug into voodoo zombies. I would be interested to do that. Watch know, like I, White I, Zombie. Yeah. I think we just did it a little bit in that episode. And I think I researched it. So I feel like I kind of know. But, I, you know, I'm sure there's more to know. Certainly. So. I will say I'm mentally on a big zombie kick oh, okay. right now. I have yeah. not watched a single movie, mm -hmm. watched a single show about zombies in months. Right. But I can't stop thinking about zombies right now huh all right well maybe that means that we should do some zombie stuff maybe yeah, yeah. that'd be fun yeah um i've got something about zombies here oh great i'd love to May hear I read it. it to you please okay this is from a section <laughs> granted all my sections are about like nothing uh -huh. you know i mean a lot of them in here are too yeah so this is about different kinds of trading cards um not dissimilar from the idea of garbage pail kids which yeah. we covered on patreon the idea of like buying all these different collectible cards that you can trade with your friends about quirky things. Mm -hmm. uh, there's evidently a card set from 2007 called Hollywood Zombies. Okay. All right. Have you ever wondered what today's stars would look like if they died and came back to life as rotting zombies? Not so far, but no, now I'm kind of interested. I haven't. This 81 card set from Tops could answer your question in gory detail but with silly pun-based names. Mm. Stars include... All right. So they've all got silly, spooky names. Yeah. Right? Like, I'll give you, I'll give you the first one. Because you would never guess this. Johnny Depp... Okay. ...in the headlines right now, becomes Johnny Death. Oh, okay. Right? See. Yep. Lame stuff. Yeah. A little bit. All right. Martha Stewart. Kristen, Martha try to give me a... Stewart. Give me a zombified... You're not going to get it. I have no idea. I can't think of anything that like rhymes or anything. Martha Skewered. Oh my god. No, well, I she, never would have she gotten got skewered. that. Skewered. Yeah. All right. Mel Gibson. This might be my favorite one. I probably should have saved it for last because it's the greatest. Gibson. What is it? Melt Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> 
so simple. <laughs> the stupidest thing imaginable. Melt Gibson. Melt Gibson. Uh, we've got uh, Rachel Rot. Instead of Rachel Ray? Yes. I don't even know how you guessed that. I just got, I can't think of another famous Rachel with a single syllable last name. Yeah. Uh, Oprah Winfrey becomes Oprah Winfreak. Okay. Stupid. <laughs> we- oh my god. All right, I've got a I've got a new worst one to end with. Okay. We've got uh Mike Tyson who mm. becomes Mike Die soon? Oh, that's even better than what they've got. Mike Die son. Oh, okay. Die soon is better than die son, yeah, I think. It's okay. And then here's the worst one to end on imaginable. <laughs> Killiam Fatner. William Shatner? Yeah. Oh my god. Killiam Fatner. There's no need for the Fatner in there if you've already got Killiam. I agree. Fat phobic. We're gonna have to look up Hollywood Zombies <laughs> cards and see if they have any value at all. <laughs> I don't know. With names like that, I can't imagine that the market's been kind. Melt Gibson is maybe one of the funniest. So stupid. It's in, right. They're meant to be funny. Yeah. Right. So on that level, you could call it a success, but I'm laughing at it. Right. That's so true. it's funny in a way they didn't anticipate, which is me going, this is Which terrible. I would say it's a fail. Melt Gibson. Yikes. <laughs> Melt. He melted. <laughs> You seldom hear about somebody melting. Especially, I mean, zombies aren't known for melting. No, not well. The Tar Man. Who's the Tar Man <laughs> from Return of the Living Dead? Don't forget about him. I don't really remember. Oh, uh, Kristen, when's the last time you saw Return of the Living Dead? It's been a few years. Oh, you're making a big yeah. mistake. You got to <laughs> set up an Alexa alert every. I guess you're right. Two, three days. <laughs> Throw that on. It's one of Can't the go too long. one of the greatest movies of all time. It's fantastic. All right. Back to you. All right. This is a section called Toy Stories. And it said, it says, here's what happens when toy makers go dot, 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 weird. What? <laughs> they, they could have rewritten that. Could have come up with something better. I know. I know. Um, so here's when one that. toy makers I, go weird. And also go weird. Weird. It's weird to me. I, I think it'd be better for when toy makers dot, 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 go weird. If we oh, have to have ellipses yeah. there at all. You're right. Okay. So this one is called Secret Agent Doll. The National Security Agency banned Furbies from their headquarters because these fuzzy toys have embedded computer chips that allow them to record and repeat what they hear. Officials were afraid they might remember phrases that are top secret. Why are Furbies at the National Security Security Agency anyway? Oh, yeah, that's right. It would right. seem like a, a moot point that they that Furbies aren't allowed in this government building. Listen, I'll tell you what. I've worked in offices before. Yeah. where somebody is obsessed with say ponies. Okay. Right? Yep. A grown person obsessed with ponies and their desk is covered he- like from top to bottom. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's stuffed ponies. Yes. Everywhere, it's almost all they talk about. <laughs> is there a chance? That actually happened just... to me at an office. I can't, I actually can't remember what it was now, but somehow at this office I worked in, they got it in their heads that I loved, let's say unicorns. It could have been. I don't even right, know if yeah, it is. Yeah. And I ended up getting all this unicorn stuff. And I was like, where? You screwed up and on day happen? one. Yeah, somehow right. unicorns came up and you went, oh, I, I like that. I like those. Yeah, yeah. And now that's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could there just be a Furby freak at the NSA? Maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah, That that is an answer that makes sense. Okay, let me tell you, before we switch back to you, an abbreviated version from Uncle John about the most haunted house in England. Oh, great. They say, 
uh, more than a dozen ghosts wander the halls and grounds of this of this old mansion. Little Dean Hall in Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire, you know that is what it is, is the oldest continually occupied home in England. Built in the fifth century on a sacred Celtic site, this ancient manor is said to be home to no fewer than sixteen ghosts. Visitors find themselves shoved, jerked, and punched by unseen hands. They also report smells of rotting flesh, burned toast, and roses. It's no wonder guests have suffered attacks of dizziness, nausea, and and heart palpitations. Where to find the ghosts? Visitors coming up the drive may be greeted by a phantom gardener who resembles one of the previous lords of the manor. The ghost of a servant who murdered his master wanders the halls between his bedroom and the drawing room, wearing a silver collar and carrying a lit candle. A silver collar? I was about to say, what the hell is a silver collar? Maybe this is a servant of a, of a different sort. It makes me think of... Um, Maybe a bit of a subby servant. Makes me think of uh, uh, Saw 3. Mm-hmm. The shotgun collar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must mean something that we don't know about. It's it probably some clothing thing. S- someone but... understands. Yeah. Yeah. The ghosts of Captain Wigmore and Colonel Congrove, both of whom died gruesome deaths, still haunt the dining room. Bloodstains often appear on the wood floors and are quickly scrubbed away, only to return. A ghostly monk walks from the dining room into a secret passage in the library, leading down to the cellar and underground to the nearby grange of Flaxley Abbey. Hmm. And in the blue bedroom, swords clash and pistol rings shoot out. Wait, pistol shots ring out as two brothers duel eternally over a lady love. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's kind of fun. Those are some this, like classy haunts. Yeah. It's still kind of heavy stuff for a book about kids, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. a bit for kids, excuse me, about ghosts being murdered and gruesome deaths and stuff. I really do wonder, though. Like, I guess what, whatever your definition of kids yeah. is might be different, right? Because, like, if you're six, this is too much. Right. If you're 13. I would think that, I guess when I think of kids, I think, like, six to ten. And then we yeah. get into the preteen teen realm i know yeah but this does strike i think this is more like young adult than kid it's i hear you subject matter it would seem that way but it's still written in such a kooky little kid way Uh, or laid out that way that it doesn't really feel that way that's interesting maybe yeah Yeah, i don't know so i've got something that i'm actually genuinely fascinated Mm -hmm. by from this book it's a chapter called a dark and stormy right w-r-i-t-e it's about writing but i really like this yeah so i say the phrase to you it was a dark and stormy night and where does your mind go what do you think that is where do you think it came from that phrase oh where did it come from people telling stories just sort of like a for us yeah this is a mainstay yeah it's it's like a classic intro to telling a story you might sit around the campfire somebody might just say that it sets the the scene instantly right in however many words a handful of words it was a dark and stormy night Mm -hmm. seven or eight words bam you're in the mindset for something spooky yeah you're ready got it it turns out that this is almost like a literary mockery oh it's a joke it's something that somebody was made fun of for like 200 years Uh uh-huh that's maybe a little long (laughs) anyway so uh um it is written by, initially, believed to have been written by Edward Bulver Leeton in mm. 1830. It's how he started his novel, 
Paul Clifford. This guy was a contemporary of Charles Dickens. Okay. He was believed by many at the time, even. He, he said, like, yeah, his writing might be even better hmm? than Charles Dickens. But this is the opening sentence of his 1830 novel, Paul Clifford. And everybody, it seems at the time, instantly pounced and was like, this sucks. This guy sucks. This is stupid and embarrassing. And as a result of the phrase, it was a dark and stormy night, a shortened version of the full sentence. Uh-huh. You'll see the full sentence is a big mouthful. But people started using it was a dark and stormy night. To, like, look, I'm a hack. Yeah, to be, yeah, I'm a hack. This is bad writing, right? Because oh, it is it is on the nose. None of those things are unpacked. Yeah. You're not saying you could say like, you know, uh, the shadow is crept the moon was behind the clouds but no you right. say it was dark it's a it's a economical so i can you, you're right about that so, so i can't fault him for that here's the full sentence <clears throat> it was a dark and stormy night the rain fell in torrents except at occasional intervals where it was checked by a violent gust of wind which swept up the streets for it is in london that our scene lies rattling along the housetops and fiercely agitating the scanty flame of the lamps that struggled against the darkness. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. It's it's a big dramatic yeah. phrase, maybe a bit lofty, maybe up its own butt. I know, honestly, it stops being economical almost immediately. immediately. Then it gets like super wordy. A hundred percent. But weirdly, I, everybody pounced on this and it almost became like a meme. Weird. Like an 1830s meme of people just writing it <laughs> like, in letters oh, and dark stuff. And stormy night. Yeah, and just making fun of poor Edward Bulver Leeton. Um, so much so that it became his name. He became, there was a contest. Uh-huh. The Bulver Lytton Fiction Contest. To see who can suck the most? It was yes. like the Razzies? Who can write the shittiest opening sentence? Look, I know all things are relative and everything. So, you know, when people are like, oh, what did people do back then? They didn't have all this technology. Right. Like, well, they found their own stuff to do. This makes me think that they didn't have anything to do. A hundred percent. Because that's that what sentence yeah. is perfectly fine. There's well, nothing wrong with it. Well, I mean, the, beginning, a lot. the dark yeah, and stormy yeah. night part of it. Right, right. That's a perfectly fine way to write. Yeah. And yet they're, they're like, oh, yeah, we got something. Oh, let's start the Bulver contest for people who suck. This dude blows. Yeah. <laughs> you did Bulver. Yeah. Now you've been dead for you know a hundred plus years and we're still ragging on you but i feel he's finally gotten his i guess because now it's just it's just a phrase it's just part of our lexicon yeah it is everywhere it is how every little kid starts a story i would argue that the staying power of it Mm -hmm. might make it one of the best sentence fragments phrases whatever you want to call it of all time I agree. He's a legend. He's a legend. I and never, nobody talks about Charles Dickens anymore. No, I've never even heard of him. Yeah. Chris, and I would die before I'd read a book. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, this this Uncle John's that I'm holding was published in 2012. So they've mm-hmm. got the winner of the 2011 Bulver Leeton Fiction Contest. Oh, excellent. For worst sentence of all. <laughs> for, so for person who sucks the most. The winner was Sue Fondry of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And here's the sentence. Cheryl's mind turned like the veins of a wind-powered turbine, chopping her sparrow-like thoughts into bloody pieces that fell onto a growing pile of forgotten memories. Well, they did a great job, because that sentence is horseshit. They're, they're, <laughs> way to go. <laughs> they, they, I, it's Listen, I, I, I write. Yeah. I'm something of a writer. Yep. I th- can think of nothing that is maybe more... 
useless <laughs> and negative and perhaps pretentious yeah. than a bad writing <laughs> totally, contest. Totally, that sucks. Where, yeah, and, and the whole thing is making fun of some guy who just like, oh, he just, he just wrote a book. Right. He just wanted to write a book. Right. So uh, other quick facts about this guy, because there are other contributions he's made to the English language. He is the dude that coined the phrases, the pursuit of the almighty dollar, the okay. great unwashed. And he is the person who wrote, the pen is mightier than the sword. This guy's killing it. I He's don't know what everybody's it. problem was. And even stranger, for all of the like negative association he got for using it was a dark and stormy night. I'm pulling the rug out from under your feet. It seems he is not the person who came up with that. Washington Irving, Ooh. 21 years earlier, used the same phrase in his book, The History of, U of New York. It was a dark and stormy night when the good Antony arrived at the creek, sagely denominated Harlem River, which separates the island of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The point is, Washington Irving used it, and in the modern day, people think that this, this, this other guy, Edward Bulver Leeton, mm -hmm. might have been making fun of him. <laughs> What is wrong with everybody? That is a completely normal way to describe a night. It was a dark and stormy night. And they're I, like, they, oh, you're such a loser. They thought it was hack work, I guess. They thought that it was tacky and, and bad. Holy Little moly. did they know that by making fun of it, they may have actually boosted it to such a degree that yes. it's it's now what everybody goes to. Even if you just say to somebody, like, tell me a scary story. Yeah, it was a dark and stormy night. Is what even, like, little kids say. You're like, yes. how do you know that? It's just in our... It's like collective memory. Yep. We just have it now. So Edward Bulver Lytton wins, except in the name category. Of course. Uh, I hope he's getting the last laugh wherever he is. Where, oh, he's, you know, below. <laughs> retired to Florida. <laughs> or about retired to Florida. <laughs> anyway, I just like that. Oh, that was kind of neat. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, well, well, before we move on, yeah. we'd better talk about something pretty darn important. You know what? I guess we should. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about our sponsor. <laughs> don't, don't laugh at me. Let's talk about our sponsor, Kristen, NordVPN. That's right. Well, uh, I don't want to say which one, but I got an alert the other day about a security breach in a site that I use. A security breach? Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. It happens all the time. Wait, Kristen, was your personal, your valuable personal data in danger? Of course not, you fool. NordVPN's dark web monitor notified me that my personal information was compromised, and I protected my accounts right away. The little radio play that you've just heard is based on a true story, everybody. It happens all the time. And it's true. Kristen and I use NordVPN, and we're able to make sure that no one tracks our usage. Not you, not anyone. <laughs> we're able to lean on NordVPN's included tools to make sure that we are safe online. That's right. And right now, NordVPN is offering a discount to new users who visit nordvpn.com slash gttupod, promo code GTTU. If you change your mind, you'll be protected by their 30-day money-back guarantee. Real quick, yeah. a little sidebar away yeah. from our scripted shenanigans. Uh -huh. um, because I've got it now, I find myself turning to it frequently ah excellent frequently i'll find myself starting to look something up or uh maybe want to like watch a, a movie or a show mm -hmm. and i'll be like oh you know what why don't i flip on 
do a quick connect on NordVPN. Yeah. Connect from somewhere in the Midwest. Who knows? Right. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll connect from Nova Scotia. Why not? Why not? You maybe, can. Maybe the Bermuda Triangle. Oh. Anyway, you can connect through all their centers and then... It just feels like you're connecting to everything more securely. I'm telling you. It's yeah. like a little security blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So get that discount, get a free month, and get free threat protection today. You'll be protected from threats. Who mm-hmm. doesn't want to be protected from threats? No one. That's nordvpn.com slash pod promo code GTTU. Check the show notes for a link and ghost yourself. Get it on. <laughs> Is that your new phrase? Yeah. <laughs> I like it, I guess. Is that our last ad with them? Get it on. I guess better late than never. For now. They better, I know for now. But they got to yeah. sign back up. I assume that NordVPN is going to want to re-up immediately. Now that they've heard my catchphrase. Get it on. Get it on. Ghost yourself. Get it on. <laughs> you can have more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Buy a package. It's all yours, Nord. Sure. Hey, Nord. You listening to Nord? It's probably a guy, right? Yeah. It's NordVPN. Yeah. It's the dude. That's right. Nord the fifth. All right. And peen. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of peens, yeah, oh. let's get into my next subject from the strange and scary freaky facts about peculiar people for children. Peens? This is weird underwear. Oh, God. Okay. Boxers, briefs, or these, it what? says. Or these. Inflatable underpants. Katsuo Kajiguru of Tokyo, Japan, was so afraid of drowning that he invented something to protect himself in case of emergency. Inflatable underpants. Unfortunately, his underwear accidentally inflated while he was on the subway. What? what? Instantly expanding to 30 times their normal size 30 times? and nearly suffocating his seatmates. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is way too big, right? Are you sure that he didn't in, like inflate them himself? <laughs> I don't know if you could inflate them to 30 times their normal size. 30 times. That's a normal... I'm almost from the outside of the subway car just going... Yes. And pushing against the window. Like an airbag all of a sudden went off. Yes. Uh, So luckily some quick thinking passengers burst his bubble, saving the day by stabbing the undies with pens and pencils. My undies! (laughs) No! My life's work! Because he invented this, remember? Right, yes. (laughs) I'm ruined! <laughs> Pen- <laughs> Puncturing it with pens and pencils, plural, means that like yeah, multiple a bunch people of them on the like, subway together, gang, as one. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. Some old man with an unsharpened pencil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some dumbass using the eraser side. My life. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. Uh, all right. Here's here's a section I've got called Weird Bequests. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't take it with you, so you might as well have a little fun when you leave it behind. Hmm. Skullduggery. This one's ah, called. Ah, cool. In 1955, an Argentine man named Juan Potomachi bequeathed 200,000 pesos, about $43,000, to the Teatro Dramatico Theater in Buenos Aires. The catch... His skull got to play Yorick. The skull Hamlet holds up for his soliloquy in Act 5 of, of course, Hamlet. That's awesome. A year later, Potomachi's skull co-starred in a production of Hamlet. I love that. That's awesome. It never occurred to me that might be an option. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. never occurred to me. 
I guess we don't feel too bad to say no to things like that. I, but I just think it's amazing. Right? The idea that like beyond your death, you can still be part of mm-hmm. performance or the, the arts or something that you care about. Right. I'm not even kidding. I want my skull mm-hmm. to be part of like a horror set. Okay. Like some I'll future. I'll arrange it. Okay. Of course, it's been foretold that some future, you will die at my hand. Yes. Some future podcasters with their own little podcast set in a yep. basement. They've got shelves behind them or something. I want a skull on that set to be my skull. Yeah. I don't see why not. I think that is so cool. Yeah. I, I think that's so awesome. The it idea is cool. of, of just like being part of something forever. Uh-huh. You live on. Yeah. Well, you're only part of that thing if you believe that the flesh is important. The physical body. Well, I don't. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I... Because you can be part of that as a ghosty forever. Yeah, but Your I don't spirit believe in and the essence. afterlife. Right. So, <laughs> so you're at an impasse. No, because my skull is still a tangible thing that exists. Yes. I won't know that I'm part of it. Right? True, true. But the, the idea of me, Will Rogers, alive today saying... What if my skull is part of like, what if it's in a movie? What mm-hmm. if it's on a show? Yeah. Uh, even a hundred years in the future, whatever. It's just like, that is so fascinating. The, the idea that I could still be in play. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, um, Matthew in the chat, because we record our episodes live every week on YouTube.com slash GTTU pod yes. on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there's a chat going of people watching. Matthew just had a good suggestion. He said, they said, Will's skull will be added to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Uh, people do that kind of thing a lot where they like spread somebody's ashes. Right. But that, this is different. You're Because there's skulls all over the place in right. that ride. So this is much more of an organic fit. I, I do love the idea. I'm also, I'm very pro the idea of like, I'll donate my body to science, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're not Not using that body anymore. You know, you're somewhere else. You don't exist. Right. Um, But somebody might be able to learn something important or or test something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I I love the idea of like, yeah, that Disney ride is sitting there and doesn't change. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has changed, but very seldom. Right. The idea that, like, put it in a, in a weird corner. Who cares? Yeah, they're not going to know. A skull in there is my skull. Yeah. That is so cool to me. I, yeah. I love that idea. Can I will my skull to the arts? I guess so. I mean, you can do? this guy kind of did that, who uh, you just read about in the yeah, John's exactly. Reader. So yeah. I suppose so. Oh, I would totally do that. Yeah, do it then. Um, so uh, here's an, here's a weird one. Harold West of London, England, died in 1972, terrified of vampires to the end. In his will, he instructed his doctor, quote, to drive a steel stake through my heart to make sure that I am properly dead. There has been no word on whether or not that was carried out. (laughs) I mean, I I guess you can ask for whatever you want. It's really just up to other people to honor your wishes. And that's the concerning part. You can ask for whatever the hell you'd like. Right. But you're not going to be around to make sure that it's enforced. People got to see it through. Yeah. You need like-minded. You have to ask a trusted person. Yes. You need like-minded people mm-hmm. to actually carry out your bizarre wish of having your body brutalized. Right. Exactly. <laughs> be on the grave needlessly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to you. Well, speaking of beyond the grave. Yeah. Let's talk about King Tut's curse. Please. As told to the Uncle John's reader. Who believes in curses? We do. Oh. 
On November 26, 1922, a team led by a British archaeologist named Her- Harry Hare. Harry Hare, Howard Carter, entered the ancient Egyptian tomb of King Tutankhamun. Within seven years of that date, 11 of the 13 Europeans who were present when the tomb was opened were dead. Mm. Some believe a fungus found growing on the tomb's walls killed the explorers. Others believe the tomb was cursed. What do you think? The facts. <laughs> On the day King Tut's tomb was opened, a vulture circled overhead. The archaeologists thought this was particularly strange. Why? Because according to legend, the tomb was guarded by Necbet, the vulture goddess. Her curse was printed above the door. That is kind of awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, three months later, Lord Carnarvon, who had financed the expedition, was the first to go. He died crying, there's a bird scratching my face. At the exact moment he passed away, the lights went out in Cairo and his dog at home in England howled in anguish. And, what? And then dropped dead. The dog did? Yeah. How does anyone know it was the exact same time? I don't know. Maybe like he was a fancy person, Lord Carnarvon. So maybe there was like a servant there. Who, I don't know. They didn't know I'm anything back then. I don't know. Well, so were they. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't expect you to answer for it. I don't know. They don't, nobody knows anything. <laughs> but maybe they did, is what I'm saying. Maybe somebody was home with the dog, and they were like, oh my god, the clock struck eight, and then all of a sudden Fido keeled over, and they're like, that's so strange. My pocket watch said the eight, and eight. then Lord Carnivron started clawing at his face. All right. All right. Fine. Sure. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. And... They would probably know when the lights went out in Cairo. Yeah, true. We we should look into King Tut. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, all of this stuff is just very, like, racist and yes. xenophobic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like being like, Absolutely. oh, really? They buried people that they cared about and wanted them not to be disturbed? Yeah. Let's, I let's want go in. give it a look. And then when we give it a look... Yeah. Um, let's assume that they are going to make bad things happen to us because they have some sort of mystical powers yeah. that they use for ill will. Let's mi- let's deliberately misunderstand their messages. Yeah. And then weave entertainment and fear mongering out of it to promote our museums. It's exactly that. Uh, so that same year, Richard Bethel, Howard Carter's secretary, died of heart failure. Oh. That seems like a little bit of a stretch. Bit I'm a sorry stretch. to hear it, yeah. but it's less direct than a person who's on sight dying your secretary died yeah. the same year there was a uh you know the doors the band the doors yeah i think they were subject to like what a lot of things happen or it's like maybe a couple members died or mm-hmm. something and so people were like the the curse of the doors this person right. has now died uh it was really only like a few years ago another one died and norm mcdonald had a joke he was like this guy from the doors uh, has passed away but he that was like curse, five the yeah. curse of the doors <laughs> continues yeah. it's like how long are we going to make you know a meal out of this right, right. like how long has to ha- like there be between incidents to decide that we are just resetting the clock right this is now just something that happens in normal uh, life. this is still part of the curse right uh, yeah yeah um, a short time later, Arthur Mace, one of the archaeologists in the group who opened the tomb, fell into a coma. Yeah. Uh, he died in 1923. Hugh Evelyn White, another archaeologist with the expedition, hung himself in 1924. He left a note that read, I have succumbed to a curse which forces me to disappear. Oh, God. So that's, it's curse related. Well, that's But definitely though. just, you know, mental yeah, illness. Yeah, different kind of horror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the year the tomb was opened, a worker stole a piece of King Tut's jewelry. A relative of the thief ret- returned it to the authorities 83 years later. 
Why? The curse. From the time the relative received the jewel, four untimely deaths had struck her family. Okay. Yeah. I mean... So that's King Tut's curse as, as told in a bathroom reader. Yeah. I mean, the one of the most trustworthy sources, I would argue. Right. Um, <laughs> I've got... Uh, I, I thought this was kind of neat. Um, and who knows if this is even accurate. Yeah. But the second that something is printed, especially printed on <laughs> I know, paper... It, it seems like it has more veracity to it. Well, there's that, but also it is like immediately outdated. Uh, that's know? true. Yes. So as of whenever this book was printed, 2012... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the person who is behind the bar- behind bars in jail the longest ever. Okay. Paul Guidel. The crime. On July 26, 1911, Paul Guidel, then 17, broke into the New York City hotel room of 73-year-old William H. Jackson. Guidel, who had been living on his own since the age of 14, had worked in the hotel as a bellhop, but had recently been fired. Rumor had it that Jackson, a retired Wall Street broker, kept a lot of cash in his room. Mm. Guidel jumped the older man while he slept and suffocated him, possibly unintentionally, with a chloroform-soaked rag. It turned out the rumor was wrong about the cash. Guidel fled the hotel with just $7. Oh, my God. He was arrested 15 hours later, the time he served in jail. Guidel received a prison sentence of 20 years to life, but for reasons that remain a mystery, when he became eligible for parole in 1931, and then every 10 years after that, his parole was denied, even though he was a model prisoner. Finally, in 1974, the press got word of the man who'd been in prison for more than 60 years, and Guidel was finally granted parole. Only problem? He didn't want to go. He was finally convinced to leave in 1980 at the age of 86. Oh, my God. He had spent 68 years, eight months, and two days behind bars. How do you do on the outside? It remains the longest time served in the U.S. in U.S. prison history. Guidel died in a nursing home seven years later. Oh, my God. I, he didn't want to leave, like read leave. from the Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Well, at a certain Ugh. point. Yes, it's your reality. He was 17 years old when he went in. Yep. When I think of myself at 17, mm-hmm. I was ill-prepared for everything. Absolutely. Everything. Yes. Then you spend 68 years in jail, even though it's jail. But it becomes your reality. And you it's find your reality. ways to live, I'm sure. This you know? is it. Yes. It's almost cruel to make him leave yes. when he's like in his 80s. Yes. What he supposed to do out in the world with like currency? Let me stay. <laughs> well, they have currency. It's such Without true. currency. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You don't use money anymore? <laughs> I've still got the $7. Yeah. I, what a crazy. But the, the world has, has to be extremely different. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's see. Wait, when did he go in? 1911. And then he got and out. And he was let out in 1980. <laughs> Oh my what god! A flash experience. Holy crap! He comes out and people are break dancing and yeah. beatboxing. <laughs> he gets one look at Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. starts clutching his chest. Kristen, it's a different world. It's terrible. It's terrible. This poor guy. It's horrible and injustice. It truly is. Okay, let's hear and a you're little laughing. story. Look at you. Look at you. Smirk on your face, laughing at somebody's misery. Come on. Enjoying it. You you picked it out to talk about it. It's fascinating. You loved it. I did. Every minute. <laughs> okay, here's a little story about the grave of Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, cool. 
It's titled Nevermore in the book. Well, of course. Every year on the 19th of January, a mysterious man sneaks into a locked graveyard in Baltimore, Maryland, and places three roses and a half-empty bottle of cognac on Edgar Allan Poe's grave. Poe, author of dark poems and stories like The Raven and the Telltale Heart, died in 1849. Jeff Jerome, great name. That is a great name. Curator of the Poe House and Museum, says the man first appeared in 1949. In 1993, the mysterious mourner, who always wore a scarf and black hat, left a note that read, The torch will be passed. In 1999, the 51st year, a new mourner appeared. This one followed the same ritual as the previous mystery man, placing the roses and the cognac bottle on Poe's grave. He put his hand on top of the tombstone and bowed his head for five minutes, and then he disappeared into the fog. What? I, that's bizarre. Yeah, that's Incredibly awesome. Incredibly bizarre. But also very sweet. It's cool. It is. It, is. it makes me think that there's some sort of like secret society of Poe lovers. Right. Who, you know, decided that, like you said, the torch would be passed and they arranged for it to be. And for some reason, it took six years right. for the new person to show up, but somebody showed up. But that is a good thing. Now, listen, Edgar Allan Poe obviously has remained incredibly, like, famous and well-known. Oh, yeah. And his work is still shared and it's beloved. And But the idea that, like, when you die, you're at risk to just be forgotten, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. That, yeah, that somebody goes in there and that's. I think it's awesome. Leave some sort of an offering. Have you been to the Poe House Museum? No, I have. It's no, pretty I cool. haven't really. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely go. I like Baltimore. Yeah, I've, I've gone down there a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, now we covered his death. Yes, right, because it was incredibly mysterious. Yes, he was sort of just like found. he was wearing like clothes that weren't his. Yeah. And, yeah, he was, like, found in the street. He, like, didn't have ID. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And right? it turned out, I think most people have landed on, I can't remember what the name for it was, but there was some sort of thing where, like, criminals who work for politicians or something would, like, accost people in the street yeah. and make them vote, vote. repeatedly and right. put them in different clothes so that they could fool the poll people. That is so And insane. it seemed like Edgar Allan Poe got caught up in that and then was killed somehow. That is so I know. strange. Um, read another, because I, okay. I took notes on... Somewhere in here, there are life hacks about the human body, uh-huh. but I failed to write down the Wash it! Number. Yeah, you should wash it. Wipe! Probably in Uncle John's. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good life That hack. is some good advice from Uncle John. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some spooky spots. Yeah. Want to see a ghost? Yes. Visit scary old England. There are plenty of ghosts for everyone. Okay. All right. This is about the Borley Rectory in Essex. According to local legend, in the 17th century, a woman named Marie Lair was strangled by her husband and buried in the cellar of a monastery. 200 years later, Reverend Henry Bull unknowingly built Borley Rectory on the site where the monastery once stood. Maria Lair soon made her presence known. She often appeared at Reverend Bull's window, staring at him with vacant eyes. Bull was so upset that he bricked up the window, but the ghostly legend grew. I love the idea of staring with vacant eyes. Just yeah. sort of like looking, looking through you. Yeah. In 1923, new owners called in a psychic investigator who witnessed vases flying into walls, keys leaping from their keyholes, and messages being tapped out on a mirror. When the Reverend Lionel Foister, also a good name, uh, I like Jerome Jeff better, but still. Of course. Jerome Uh, Jeff sounds like a boyfriend of Elaine's. (laughs) Yes, I thought the exact same thing. Um, Moved into the rectory, messages began 
to appear on the walls asking Foister's wife, Marianne, to please get help. In 1939, I'm... Oh, wait, wait. There's a little picture, by the way, of this on the walls. I'm just scrawling that says, Marianne, uh, please get help. And then it looks like Marianne wrote back, I cannot understand. Tell me more. And it says Marianne and more scribbles where I can see the word help. And then Marianne wrote, I still cannot understand. Please tell me more. Hmm. I imagine this went on for a while. Uh, a A good bit. Yeah. In 1939... A mysterious fire destroyed the house. Some local residents claimed to have seen a nun at an upper window peering out over the flames. <laughs> Loving the flames. Love- a nun ah, that loves flames. Ah, just basking. It's Valak. Yeah. <gasps> Valak. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. From The Conjuring 2. Ah. Uh. Oh, that was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it seems like you found your thing, so you can go ahead. I did. I did. Yeah. Odd body tricks and Odd tricks and trips and trips. Odd body tips and tricks. (laughs) Some strange tips sent in by readers who swear they work. Okay. So here's some life hacks about things you can can do with your body that you didn't know that you could do, which is weird, right? Yeah. All right. About to sneeze, push the tip of your tongue upward against the roof of your mouth where the hard palate ends and the soft palate begins. Huh. Okay, I'll have to give that a try. I know, I, I want to try that. these. Yeah. Chopping an onion, avoid tears by lighting a candle. The yeah. heat will attract and burn the sulfide fumes. It doesn't really work. I've got a tip. Oh, okay. I hate onions. I know you do. So much, I don't know who decided that we should be eating these things. <laughs> well, I do. The first man to eat an onion. Kristen, you got me. Got it? You got me got good. It. If you listen to our Easter episode from this year... We listened to a little ditty from the Easter Bunny is Coming to Town about people who did things first, and the first man to eat an onion yes. is there. He peeled the whole damn thing apart until it was just gone. That's right. Uh, that's on our Patreon, patreon.com slash pod. Speaking of which, yes. um, this past week is maybe one of my favorite episodes that we have ever done. Mm-hmm. Ever done. I'm not exaggerating. I love it. Kristen and I played the game PT, better known as a canceled teaser for what would have been a reboot of Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Kristen played it. Yeah. Who boy. Usually when we do video game stuff, video game stuff, Will plays and I observe and, you know, whatever. And I'm not much of a video game person and I played and it scared the absolute hell out of me. Uh, it was so much fun. I would say that you were really good at it. It was a two-thumb game. You yeah. had to move with one thumb, move the camera with the other. I was working those thumbs pretty well. I thought you did great. Thank you. But this game is all atmosphere. It is so spooky. It has some of the greatest ideas mm-hmm. I've ever seen in a game, ever seen in any piece of horror media. Maybe. Yeah. And in it, um, Kristen, uh, at one moment, um, uh, covered her face, which means she dropped the controller and it just clattered to the ground. She was so scared. It really scared the absolute hell out of me. It is so much fun. It is so good. We looked at some like unused other stuff that maybe only a few yep. people have seen of the game, an unused concept trailer for what it might've been in the future. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much yeah go check it out it is on the netherworld dispatch feed which you can only get by signing up to our patreon Mm -hmm. different tiers get different amounts of episodes if you join the demon tier that's the highest you get a new episode every single monday yeah what's your life been missing what's the problem you need more Guide to the Unknown. <laughs> we'll fix it, whatever the problem is. Go check it out. With more episodes. This coming Monday, we're continuing Fatal Frame. Guess what? We already recorded it. 
guess what? It was spooky. Yeah. It was very fun. It's pretty scary. So come back on Monday as well. Yes. A lot of good stuff. Patreon.com slash GTTU pod. Yes. Thank now, you to our existing patrons. Now here's my onion help. Okay. It's a great segue back into good material. Now here's some onion help. Great. First of all, when you peel the onion, rinse it. Why are you doing this? I'm surprised that you're even interacting with onions. I can cook. Yeah, I know, but like you hate onions so much, I'm surprised you I don't ask if Allie can take that part. No, if I'm if I'm okay. if I'm cooking, which let's face it, it's not as frequent as it probably should be. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, I'm not gonna dole out some task you're that I don't shirk like. Shirk that responsibility. No, I'll I'll take the whole thing on. Great. So Great. I uh, if I'm if you're if you're working with onions out there rinse them in water okay reason being the 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 acids and the onions or whatever the hell is singeing your face and making you yeah. cry it's interacting with the moisture on your eye oh so rinse it that'll dissipate some of it ah. next tip choose something they say gum it can be literally anything mm-hmm. and it does appear to work for me okay because i'm telling you onions for some reason like i will my my face will freak out Oh, I'll be I hate crying. It. it stings. I hate it. I hate it too. I've only tried the candle thing. I don't think I've ever tried another method other than going like this kind of water and chewing. All right, I'll water give it a and shot. Chewing. And yeah. even when you cut the onion again, feel free to toss that sucker under the water for another second. <laughs> I might. Yeah, I, I Chris, well it's I, I really hate these things. That's a good idea. Whoever whoever figured out we can eat them and they don't even taste good. Nah, I disagree with that. Oh, I love they onions. suck. If they're cooked and they're in something, I can live with it. Right. A raw onion. I would elevates suck. a dish. I'd rather eat nothing than eat a raw onion. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, all right, keep an injection from hurting by pressing on the spot where you're about to get the needle. By overloading the nerve endings in that area, you deaden the pain. Hmm. Okay. Right? Yeah. Stop the gag reflex by clenching your thumb in your fist. Okay. I could literally try this right now. What? And Why? it might make a good clip. Why would? But I won't. Wait, what do you mean? You're gonna make yourself gag? I mean, I could. Really? Right? Why not? I don't know. How are you gonna do that? The classic little kid thing—you just stick your finger down your throat. Oh, I guess so. You know? Yeah. Should I try it? (laughs) If you want to, I'm not gonna make you. No, it's okay. Debasing myself. (laughs) It's okay. For science, I don't want you to do that. It'll be uncomfortable. I think I'll skip it. Yeah. (laughs) Feel free to DM me. DM you to ask you to gag yourself while clenching my thumb. I'm, I'm going to say I hope that goes in the filtered messages. Yeah, they all do. I, I miss a lot of them. <laughs> I responded to a bunch of people who sent me messages. Yeah, and some of them had been sent like three years ago. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. I had no idea. I don't no, know. No, I believe especially media. with all the filters and all of that. Sometimes that happens. Yeah, who knows? I don't know nothing. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's the last one. Uh, leg fall asleep. This is good for the bathroom. <laughs> Change the position of your hip to adjust the blood flow to your lower body. End pins and needles in your hands by shaking your head. It loosens the pressure on nerves in your neck. Oh, that's cool. There you go. Huh. I won't remember any of these. Neither will I. No. It sounds sounds neat. I don't remember half of what we talk about on the show. (laughs) Me neither. You know, I got to tell you, a, a handful of people referenced me last week in the show, which was the episode about The Conjuring 2. Uh, using a voice like Bill Wilkins and talking about tampons. Yes. And I don't know what that is. I, I do a- remember that. What? What is it? Uh, where does your tampon go? But why would I say that? Because I said that uh, the the Enfield poltergeist, uh, according to reports, was obsessed with menstruation. <laughs> 
That's right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I remember now. And I was like, oh, that poor girl was like too uncomfortable yes. to talk about menstruating just like as herself. Exactly. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I literally, truly no recollection. Oh, it happens all the I time. I had absolutely no idea. I know it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise, but I haven't had many people call it the exact same moment yeah. in a while. And I just had no idea what was going yeah. on. All right. So I think this is going to take us on home. This is the story of a ghost hunter. Who are you going to call? Nancy, of course. Yeah. In the 1970s, Professor Nancy Acuff was driving home from her job at East Tennessee University when she hit what she later called a time warp. Suddenly, she was transported in time back to the 1800s. Her home was gone, and in its place stood a log cabin. She watched a man on horseback gallop up to the cabin door and yell for someone to come out. When a young boy appeared, the rider whirled around and galloped back down the road. Then, just as suddenly, everything changed back to the 1970s. When a similar incident happened a, le- a year later, Acuff did some investigating included that, and concluded that the man was her home's previous owner, Jacob Storm, the first mayor of Blountville, Tennessee. What? Word of Professor Acuff's ghost hunting spread, and soon she was getting calls from people with haunted homes of their own. Acuff believes there is a difference between spirits and ghosts. Ghosts always do the same thing at the same location, but spirits are generally the souls of dead relatives who have some message or warning that they want to impart. And Professor Acuff is there to receive it. Well, wait or a, a cuff? I don't know. I, didn't she say that she went back in time and saw a log cabin? Yes. Does she it's live in a log cabin today? I she don't said know. She, she no, because that her, her home was gone and in its place stood a log cabin. But then she says the guy she saw on a horse by the log cabin must have been the previous owner of her home. So does she live in a log cabin? Hmm. hmm. She could, because when we were house hunt- hunting, we saw a log cabin. Really? And I wanted it, but it was like really weirdly shaped or something. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, somebody it built was... it out of Lincoln Logs. <laughs> it looked like it was built out of Lincoln Logs, and then it had like bright yellow accents. It was very weird looking, but I was kind of into it. Interesting. Yeah. Where? Um, In New Jersey somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> okay. In the air. Well, in the so area. In the that... state. <laughs> we were only looking in the, you know, yeah, yeah. area. I don't know what town it was. All but right, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, I, she could live in a log cabin house, I guess. You're I right. Guess, that's weird. It's, it's just weird. Hmm, Doesn't that seem like a, a million billion years ago, though? Yes. Right? But maybe it's not. I mean, she said that she was transported back in time to the 1800s. That's not so far away when this you live in the 1970s. In, in the 1970s. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. This house is 100 right. and two years old. Right. So, sure. In the 1970s, if you had a house that was 100 years old, it's the 1800s. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a log cabin and then it's been expanded on or it was raised and a new house was built there. But right. he owned the plot of land. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm thinking all right. it's something like that. Still seems but, weird. But so this professor became a ghost hunter because she was rocketed back in time <laughs> and then rocketed back forward. <laughs> I also like that they gloss over the, like when a similar incident happened. Like, right. don't talk about that. What is that? I mean, I wonder if it was a space issue where it was like, we have a page for this. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, because even if it was the exact same thing she experienced, they why not do, mention it's like, it? it's important to be like, it happened again. Not just <laughs> yeah, it seems like going back in time, deal. but the whole thing. It, incredible. This time she, you know, 
if at first she seemed like she um, doubted what she had experienced, this time she could deny it no further. It was confirmed. For it, it had happened a second time, thereby ingraining itself in her memory. But no, they're just right. like, and then it happened again, and so ipso facto, moving she on. She thinks ghosts and spirits are different. Yada, yada, yada. She married a funky phantom. Yeah. I wonder if we put ourselves out there as mm-hmm. saying we people whose houses are haunted get in touch with us and we'll come investigate it or look into it or 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 talk do a show feel it whatever Mm -hmm. would we start getting requests from people i don't know because we put that out yeah especially this this isn't a guarantee that we'll do it no you know what but it'd be very helpful if you're in new jersey the tri-state area oh god yeah right yes if you're live in a a haunted house in the tri-state area Mm-hmm. Feel free to get in touch. If you want us to come to your house. I'd be very curious two to Two people see. who aren't even amateur ghost hunters. That would yeah. be too generous a phrase. Yeah, I just occurred We're, to me. We'll just kind of look around. What if we can turn it into money? Just sort of poking around. We'll send you our day rates. That would, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> if you're rich and you're haunted. Yeah. Oh, ideal. Talk to us. That's, that's the, 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 the best of the best. The, it would be absolutely the dream. We'll come with our Uncle John's un- under our arms. <laughs> Instead of a Bible? Yes. Lead me to the room. <laughs> yeah. Show me. <laughs> I'll wear a hat, like a priest coming in from outside. Okay. An exorcist or something. Sure. That's all we got. What can I do? I you'll you'll I'll, have the Uncle John's. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait dramatically outside carrying a, a briefcase yeah. and a trench coat and that hat mm-hmm. so that uh, before you even know I'm there, you just glance out the window and I'm standing there like the exorcist. Yeah. Right? That's perfect. It's pretty good. I don't see why not. Pretty good. Imagine that. Well, guys, until next time, think of opportunities for us to come out to haunted houses, yeah. do just about nothing. Oh, yeah. And somehow get paid for that. Almost nothing. Right. Really more do a show and go, I wonder if we'll feel something. Yeah. Nope. All right. Uh, anyway. Here we trudge home. <laughs> Let's talk about Scream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's right. We hope you enjoyed the show. As Will already explained, please go to patreon.com slash pod if you'd like to help support the show. It means truly the world. It does. And there are a lot of really cool things over there that you can enjoy in return. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. There's so much to check out there. Mm-hmm. 55 plus episodes. Yeah. Of stuff over there, little exclusive fun things that you might find, video games, movie stuff, checking mm-hmm. out music videos. There's just a ton. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I, we should say this too, our entire catalog of episodes here. This is episode 237. I know. Guide to the Unknown. Room 237. It's our room 237. It is. Don't Famously my favorite candle. The room you should not go in. <laughs> yeah that's room 237 the bathroom the bathroom yeah um but it's just it's just incredible how long we've been able to go because people do seem to enjoy this show yes so uh it's if wild. you're one of those people consider checking out our back catalog of episodes we've covered mm-hmm. the true stories behind horror movies tons of uh folkloric creatures monsters cryptids hauntings ghosts urban legends rumors yeah dive in it is so much fun everything that we've ever done lives on gttu pod Dot com. Mm-hmm. Consider giving this show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Spotify. Yep. We've got a page on this uh, uh, website called Pod Chaser. This is where a lot of podcasts are like ho- – it's like an IMDB for podcasts basically. Mm-hmm. So you can go there. You can follow Kristen, right. say, 
and see every show where Kristen has appeared. She's appeared on many. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can review us there as well. So go check that out. It's podchaser.com slash Pod. We are at Pod on all social media. Consider following. We've been doing a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun little uh, videos and TikToks and clips from the show, like little micro things. I was scrolling back through our TikTok. Yeah. I stopped like aggressively doing TikTok stuff. Yeah. But then I... I got Guide to the Unknown recommended on my TikTok, mm-hmm. and I just started scrolling through it. And they're so short yeah. that it was just so much fun to keep scrolling and get more quick bite Guide to the Unknown right. things that I was like, I'm enjoying this. I think I want to make more again. Good. So maybe maybe I will. By all means. Um, but Kristen just live tweeted watching Teaching Mrs. Tingle. I did. I on sure did. the Guide to the Unknown Twitter. Yeah. Like, There's a whole universe of stuff. Yeah. Join us. Become part of our multiverse. Yes, please. All right, everybody. Uh, You can also follow us individually online, as I sort of mentioned there. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So we will be back next week for more weird, scary stuff. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Back to the John, yeah. Got some more reading to sure, do. Sure, I'll be in the netherworlds, all right. Uh, That's rich. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, I'm getting smarter. <laughs>